Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. It is Independence Day in the U.S., and Graham McMillan and I exercise our freedom to catch you up on comics news, complain about Spawn's universe, number one, pour over the memoirs of Steve McMahon's, trade memories about speed-writing summaries of new comics for newsletters, talk about Tenet, The Kid Detective, Drowning Love, and so much more in this two-hour episode. As always, we welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan! Hello. Hello there. Welcome to the very warm, but not as warm as it's been, Pacific Northwest. Oh my god, man. In fact, I've, I've got to ask, what is the temperature where you are right now? Like, because I, Portland has been just nuts for right. a while, but what is it where you are? Uh, right now it is 59 degrees. And, oh, fuck you. Oh, I know. I know. It's been monstrous. It's been monstrous. Literally, while it was like 115 degrees for you, it was 55, and and we had we had fog every night, and we'd wake up to the oh, ground wet. Oh fuck! Oh fuck you! Yeah, oh, Jeff. Jeff, this is what was what it was like. Okay, so we had last weekend. We had like a hundred and something, mm-hmm. and then a hundred and ten or hundred and twelve, oh, and then hundred and fifty. Like Saturday, Monday, okay. Ugh. And during that time, it was too hot to sleep anywhere other than the ground floor where i was on a couch so i slept on a couch for like four days oh lord man but also it was so warm because it didn't get cold at night that basically even with multiple fans like at one point there were nine fans in the room because <laughs> i counted but even with nine fans i was still basically cooking in my own sweat yeah yeah mm. right and that's the coldest part of the night mm-hmm. that's not counting the daytimes when it's the high and the dogs decide they have to go out. Oh, God. No. Oh, that must including, have been a nightmare. Including one point, uh, Tango, the, the biggest dog, yeah. uh, literally fell over from heat exhaustion. Oh, no. That's not an exaggeration. Oh, like, that poor boy. Fell over. Jesus God. Uh, and we had to like, speedily rehydrate him and like cover him with frozen vegetables. <laughs> uh, no, really. It was It was nuts. What do you think, just, and this is a topical thing, as he's recording this the day before July 4th, what do you think would be the most annoying thing someone could choose to do on one of the nights? Set off fireworks? Yes. No. Yes, for real. Thereby making uh, Gus, who is extraordinarily reactive to fireworks at the best of times, Yes, yeah. his fucking mind. Oh, Jesus. No. I thought, I now, didn't, they ban fireworks now. Yeah, okay. So fireworks are actually officially banned in Portland yes. and other places in the throughout the Northwest, right? Yeah, I want to say they're banned in in, uh, in Oregon and Washington, but I could be I wrong. hope so. They're really definitely banned so. in, in Portland. Um, like, they even went, you know, they were banned even for sale. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus God. What, uh, just a just yeah. night, nightmare. Yeah, it was a great idea to set off fireworks. And I was like, are you fucking... Dead? I was so mad. I bet you should be. I was also incredibly weak. <laughs> I would flex the Yes. But, um, yeah. Yeah, just go over and sweat on the person. It's like... Ugh. 
take that. It's like, I'll just come over and go. <laughs> what are you gonna What are you gonna say to that, huh? <laughs> oh man! And but you were able to work, which is insane to me. I don't know how I, I, I couldn't work I, in that I, heat. I wasn't. I wasn't. Here's the thing. It's been because we haven't recorded an episode for two weeks, right? The last two weeks have been genuinely weird uh, for for work for various reasons. Uh, there there was the uh, the Substack story going live on 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 Inverse and all the the attendant nonsense that came from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there was the Warren Ellis stuff happening at the same time. Yes. And I'm trying to write a story for THR as things are changing and I'm hearing from people inside Image. Things are changing. <laughs> you can't you can't publish a story because you will be wrong by the time that it publishes. Wow. You know? Um, and then the heat wave happened because mm-hmm. that was Thursday, Friday, like last week. And then the heat wave happened. Uh, and then Monday was like the hottest day of the heat wave. Oh. And I'm trying to work and my brain is actually cooking. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like exaggerating. My nope. brain is actually cooking. Mm-hmm. And so I get through like just a little bit past lunch. And then I'm like, I have to stop. Yeah. Like yeah. I might legitimately just, just be losing my mind. Yeah, completely, completely. Ugh. So to switch, if you don't mind, um, do you mind quickly, I guess since we do a little bit of the comics news and it, and since we were off last week, we didn't cover it. Do you want to mention uh, a, just very quickly sort of pad out those two um, topics that you mentioned? Okay, so so the Substack thing is, uh, we talked about it before in an earlier episode, I think. Substack, the email newsletter company, is getting into comics. Yes. And the initial report was, shall we say, somewhat vague. And so I wanted to find out more. And I did. I found out more. And what I found out was um, uh, frustrating, yes. I think my best way to put it. Um, but not horrendous. Uh, however, what I found out also caused what I'm considering a change of policy <laughs> because <laughs> they were very unhappy with the story when I went live. Mm-hmm. So I talked to Substack and Substack say, to my mind, very clearly that they are, um, they are working with writers who will hire the rest of the, the team of the, the comics. Writers is used three different times in the correspondence. Um, and their idea is they will, through their Substack Pro program, which is literally Substack, basically pays people to write specific newsletters, right? Uh, with the idea of they will draw eyeballs to Substack and Substack will then earn out, blah, 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 blah. Right. As far as Substack Pro, Substack has hired um, Nick Spencer to curate a comics collection on Substack. They say repeatedly, like, we're working with writers. Writers are going to hire the rest of the creative team. I uh, I read a story, and I'm like, oh, boy, they're only hiring writers then. And other people have said this already on Twitter because this was part of the original report. They're only hiring writers. That's not – that doesn't make a comic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's hiring a writer. Like, yeah. if you want to make a comic, like, why not split it? Why not talk to artists? Why not talk to, yeah. like, hire multiple creative teams, like, multiple members of the same creative team? Uh they were really unhappy with that and are saying that even though they said writers multiple times and have said it in more than just my story, they always meant artists as well. Wow. And 
problem was a terminology issue. Uh, suffice to say, I don't believe that. Yeah. I just. However, they're they've they, like they are now on record as saying yes, artists as well. So hooray, victory! I guess. Right. Uh, for like frustrating as living crap getting there. Um, <laughs> oh, it was it was a very frustrating story. It was one of the stories that took like two weeks to come together, and then you know was was just more hassle than it should have been. Like getting it out. Um, but. Basically, what they're doing is Substack is going to put a chunk of money up front to a creative team, and they will claim no rights to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're basically paying people to make fully creator-owned comics wow. that the, the creators can then do whatever they want with afterwards. So you know, if someone is uh, if someone gets this offer and is smart and successful enough to also have a good in with image, mm-hmm. you could literally get Substack to underwrite your image comic. Right. Right, you know, which seems like a great deal for people who are going to get invited to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see who gets invited to it. You know, uh, one of the th- concerns I have about this is it's an expense for putting it together. And when I think of successful web comics, I don't think Nick Spencer. Nick yeah. Spencer has a has a a fairly uh, um, What's a good way of putting this? A fairly like direct market way of looking at comics. Mm-hmm. Um, think of successful web comics. It's not the same stuff that's successful in the direct market. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I think this might be dooming it to failure. And I, I, I it, again, makes me feel as if Substack have a very limited view of what comics can be. But we will see what happens with that. You know, they're they're a while away. I know at least one other creator who's launching one. Uh, I found out by mistake while reporting this. Really? Legitimately by mistake. Wow. Uh, I contacted someone for comment, and they were like, I can't say anything, and I can't tell you why. <laughs> and you're like, aha. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I get it. Fine. Um, and that person makes me infinitely more interested than Expenser does. Sure. But I will also say that person, who I'm not going to name, is also someone who is very successful in the direct market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The Warren Ellis thing was that uh, Fell was, for a brief moment, <laughs> returning at, through Image. Warren Ellis was coming back to comics with new material. Mm. Um, and Ben Templesmith announced this on a Monday and was like, I'm working with Warren Ellison Fell, like, it's great, you know, they're coming back, doing it through Image, and I think it's safe to say that everyone was upset. Yes, that <laughs> like, is safe to say. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought Ben Templesmith and Warren Ellis was upset. I think it's, it's the safest way of, of describing the response to that. Yeah. And lots of people were understandably upset at Image, um, which put out a statement very soon afterwards, being like, we will confirm that it fell as returning. Um, and more details to come, was basically the statement. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to them and I was like, okay, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> they were like, no comment to all of your questions. Wow. Uh, here's the statement. And I got that statement on Tuesday. Uh, my deadline was, my deadline originally was Thursday to run on Friday. But Thursday, while writing the story, I continually got messages from people inside Image being like, "Whoa, whoa, don't, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't yeah. file the story. Don't file the story. 
And I'm like, why not? And they're like, things are going to happen. And I was like, like what? And they were saying, we can't tell you, but things are going to happen. Don't file the story. And one of the first things that happened was that Warren Ellis released a statement. Um, and his statement, I somewhat glibly on Twitter more le- made fun of it and said it's more or less what he said before, which was too glib. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he, he, he said... Basically, like, I have been going to therapy and I realized what I did was wrong and I have a lot, a lot of work to do. Huh. Uh, but he also said, um, I have just today found out about the So Many of Us website. Oh, God, right. That part I saw, which was like, what? Um, which, you know, no. Yeah. I don't think anyone believed that at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I feel that is... I feel that was that was a, a problem that he, I mean, fairly clearly started his apology statement with a lie. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? that's really not uh, a convincing like way to. I, I mean, one of the one of the things that made it seem um, se- seem fairly unlikely is that uh, he, Alice is quoted in the Guardian in a story talking about so many of us, right? And it's possible that he was not asked directly about the site, but again, it feels very unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, but even if he did, even if he just learned about it, like, that stretched credulity a lot. His statement nonetheless was, like I said, I'm going to therapy, I've realized what I've done is wrong. Uh, I'm going to try and make it better. Um, This comes after days of of multiple people saying for all intents purposes why should we be okay with Alice returning when he's done nothing he's not apologized he's not made any reparations and even people who who are part who would offer testimonials in so many of us who are part of the story Uh had said like you know we were very clear when this broke we didn't want to quote unquote cancel Warren Ellis but he's not even said anything to us yeah like how can we believe that he's trying to make things better when he's literally stayed silent this entire time? Yeah. So on the one hand, he just found out about it and he's speaking out now and it's got nothing to do with promoting his comic. On the other hand, well, right. On the other hand, very suspect. Yeah. To, to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, uh, I'm still hearing, after that's published, I'm still hearing from Image, don't file your story. How late can you file? Wow. Because on Friday, Image pulls the book. Um, Image Image announces that basically, like, it it is not going to work with Warren Ellis until, for all intents and purposes, he he, he makes up for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of, I'm going to have to find this actual Image statement now. Because the image statement clearly suggested that they hadn't previously put out a statement going, yes, it's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> no? Yeah. Like, uh, image's statement is... Let's see, I better try and find it. This week's fell announcement was neither planned nor vetted and was in fact premature. While finishing Warren Ellis and Ben Templesmith's fell is something we've been looking forward to for years, Image Comics will not be working with Warren on anything further until he has made amends to the satisfaction of all involved. It is our sincere hope that the conversations that are beginning now will result in positive changes for everyone. Please visit so many of us.com. 
again, they put out a statement earlier that week saying, uh, Warren T- Ellison Ben Templeton's Image Comics series fell will indeed return for its long-awaited final story arc. Yeah. Oh, so they, they clearly changed their minds, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's good that they changed their minds. I yes. think that I think that was the right choice. I wish they had not had to change their minds, for want of a better way of putting it. Yeah. But I'm glad they changed their minds. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that was all changing at the same time. Uh, while all this was going on as well, people were pointing out things like, uh, like Image has also published Brandon Graham in the last few months. Yes. Brandon Graham has his own history of, of uh, abusive behavior. You know they're publishing work from Rock Up Church. They're, you know, they're they're publish they're publishing Jeff Johns. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Um, oh, which Jeff, you and I have to go talk Geiger later this episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but but this didn't seem to happen entirely in the vacuum. You know, and so I think it was, I think it was that larger conversation and the fact that you had specific creators saying I'm disappointed in image publicly yes. mm-hmm. is made image change its mind. Um like you had James Tanyans and Scott Snyder both publicly were like, yeah, this ain't it. Right. Yeah. You know? Um and I think that's a big deal to have like specific creators come out and, and actually say something. You know, yes, and, yes, which was great, and and, and something and, and, that many people had criticized that a lot of and, these and, guys and, yeah. and actually say something and not just a remain silent mm-hmm. or like just post a link to so many of us and not say anything. Yes, you know, um, you born you had people actually saying like I am disappointed in Image for this decision. I think that became a point where Image was forced to do something. Image is famously hands off in these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, when people who are successful and powerful in the industry right now, mm-hmm. and also image creators are coming out and saying, "I'm disappointed in image," yeah, they don't have a choice; they have to do something at that point. That's right. That's right. So yeah, so there you go. And then, then you know, this week it was it was the uh, psychic trying to catch up from the psychic overheating of the weekend. Yes, and honestly, like I feel like I only kind of managed that by yesterday. Mm. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. That, that I, was that. That's been my couple of weeks, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been crazy. I do think I am going to show Horn in a news story, sort of. Uh, not nice. not usually my realm, but uh, on basically Monday or Tuesday of this week, um, Azuki launched. Uh, and Azuki is a is calls itself bills itself as your digital manga cafe, and I have to say that um, that tickles me as someone who, um, thanks to the various awesome people uh, in Japan who showed me around, I've actually been to manga cafes, and I'm happy to say that uh, Azuki does not offer. Um, very strange areas in which people might be sleeping and or having sex and or shower stalls while also being able to rent manga on an hourly basis. But instead, Azuki, which is formed by four former members of Crunchyroll, four former programmers uh, who used to work at 
Crunchyroll and a fifth investor. I might be off on my numbers by like one person. Have started a streaming uh, manga service. Um, just started this week and, you know, kind of out of the blue. I had not known about it, but of course people who are way more connected, like uh, Deb Aoki on Twitter... Uh, had been following it and previewing it. So I think that's kind of, for me, the idea that there is a going to be a, a manga streaming service to compete with Viz's um, Shonen Jump service is super exciting for me. Right now, currently, the bulk of it seems to be Kadansha uh, 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 published titles. There's also um, some titles um, from Kaiten books, uh, K-A-I-T-E-N books, such as the delightfully titled My Dad's the Queen of All VTubers? Question mark, exclamation point. But um, it's it's heavy, heavy, heavy on the Kodansha stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff that you would actually see over at Comixology Unlimited, um, minus some of the stuff that are Comixology Unlimited um Exclusives. exclusives yeah such as initial d and drops of god and uh beck all of which i i love nonetheless despite that it's pretty exciting to see i think another service this service is promising to have um streaming live updates for i don't know how many titles um and meanwhile are in the process of uploading um backlogs so for example they've got all 375 chapters of space brothers for example um and uh it's 4.99 a month uh the first 30 oh, that, days are free good. yeah exactly so it's i think it's quite affordable and uh i have been i've been reading a lot more uh shoujo manga which is pretty great i'm very happy to be reading uh, more romance manga, and I look forward to uh, talking to you about it a little later in the uh, the show. But I do have to say, that's a that's a new service that that dropped, which for people like me who like reading their comics on digital, super exciting. At first, a little frustrating because they were having um, their iOS app was weird when it came to handling double page spreads but uh, they actually fixed that in the first few days with an update so apparently the android app has the same was having the same problems and they have promised an update to that as well so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of into having a new source for comics the thing that's ironic is i have not sat down and cross-checked how many of these titles I actually already have bought like via um, humble bundles over the years. Um, so, but I think for people who are not digital, you know, who aren't um, uh, have impulse control problems quite at the level I do, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff here that will be new or new to them. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I saw you tweet about it this week and I, I, but I sort of saw it, late for one of a better way of putting it and i yeah. was like i don't quite know what he's tweeting about but he's definitely excited yes exactly exactly yeah so um it's so is there a, i'm trying to think of a way of like saying this properly is there material there that hasn't otherwise been released in the u.s um i have yet to see 
that. As far as I can tell, like, for example, a lot of the Kodansha stuff is stuff that not only has been translated and released before, but, you know, like I said, some of it has been um, free to read on Comixology Unlimited for a while, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or offered repeatedly through um, various Humble Bundles. So I'm not seeing anything that's new yet. What's interesting is it's following in the Shonen Jump model in that they're making the current chapters, the officially licensed translated simulpubbed chapters, free to read, although I think there will probably be an ad component. Uh, and then the $4.99 fee is to get access to the quote-unquote archives. So... Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of hoping that you know, I mean they're they're a small startup. I mean they seem small. I don't know what the funding's like. Um, and this has been their first week officially out out. So a lot of what they've been doing this first week is just adding to the the benches of you know taking the titles that they have and and adding to them because some of the chapters you know some of the completed series you know are 300 chapters long and sure you know they 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 started by trying to load up on 10 chapters of each or something like that and well i mean that's that's the thing with launching a new service right mm -hmm. like for all that we made fun of dc universe when it launched like Imagine all of a sudden, you know, it launching with 25,000 comics. Right, right. You, I can't imagine the amount of effort that would have taken. Also, the amount of, of pressure that would have put on servers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, some of this stuff is, um, you know, Crunchyroll had a manga service as well as the anime, uh, which... People may remember me subscribing to and complaining about for a long time because I thought in some cases um, it was just there were times where the iOS app wouldn't work for like months at a time and then it did and then you couldn't tell what was being updated and when and I recognize a lot of these titles like a lot of the stuff like Attack on Titan or Fire Force um, or Card Captor Sakura, I believe, all of those were on Crunchyroll manga. So I think a lot of the digital, a lot of the files and the formatting and everything, you know, um, was pretty easy to move over. So it'll be interesting to see. I assume that they really will want to and try to expand somewhat aggressively in the hopefully getting new titles in. Um, you know, and expanding the breadth of that. And of course, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of manga that people, publishers have been working really, really hard to, to wean um, people reading pirated manga online toward legit sure. sites. So, you know, I, I'm sure that some of the publishers such as Kanacha and, um, you know, uh, others that may end up with the licensing agreements. I'm sure part of the idea is put in a certain chunk of cash to, you know, move people to these sites so that it's legit and then underwrite it with ad supported avenue revenue and, and subscriptions. But it's still, you know, it's still, it's still sort of, 
I don't know. It in a way it kind of reminds me of Substack just in the sense of there's you got to put a lot of money into the back end and in theory you know it's the old classic step 2 is question marks and step 3 is, step profit. Three is profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't really know if they'll have enough people doing on this model either via subscribers or with Is it ads. US only? It is actually I'm that's a Excellent question. It is worldwide except for Japan. So surely they're going to have enough to make it successful. If it's everywhere apart from Japan, I would think so. I would. I would definitely think so. Like I don't know how Shonen Jump does. If Shonen Jump is, I sort of assumed it was restricted to North America, but it might not. In fact, I take that back. I know that it's restricted to North America because for a while I had the app that had the that was available to the rest of the world which would mm-hmm. have most of the shonen jump stuff but also had a lot of stuff at the time that shonen jump didn't that i never got into so anyway so yeah azuki it's uh for 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 people like me who like uh reading stories about um crying girls and the the mean boys who presumably love them it's uh it's it's great can you spell that for people who want to go check it out? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, A-Z-U-K-I. It's a type of red bean. And the website is www.azuki. That's A-U-Z... Oh, sorry. A-Z-U-K-I dot C-O. So, very easy to get to. Um, and you can start reading for free. So, you know, totally recommend jumping in on that, as well as trying that 30-day cancel-anytime um, premium service that moves to a four ninety nine a month model. So four ninety nine is a great price. I think so too. I think four ninety nine so is a genuinely great, price, especially if it ends up being packed with content. Yeah, four ninety nine just feels like it. It, it is. It's it's, a, it's an incredibly affordable price. Yeah, yeah. I I think so as well. I think so as well. I think they clearly were looking at the Shonen Jump model. They couldn't go quite as um, low as that, and honestly, I don't. I don't think they should. I love Shonen Jump, but I also think that honestly, um, one thing about Azuki is it skews older. So far, most of this stuff um, is is a little bit, a little marginally, you know, ages fifteen and up on. I would say so. It it's easier for them to think like. You guys can spare five dollars a month, you know. Whereas I think for two ninety nine a month, I think they were able to make an argument that it's like, you know, this is such a low barrier. It's 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 less than the cost of one comic book, and a kid can read every chapter of One Piece without having to without having to wait to get it in from the library or something, you know. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, so that's my my slant on the comics news um, uh, and something I wanted to talk about. And I guess at some point we'll come back and maybe I can talk about uh, the one title that I've been reading. I'd like to say that I've been jumping around and splashing from title to title. But in fact, I, I've just been digging into one kind of weird one that I'm looking forward to. Well, now I'm very, very curious. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like other things have happened that we should talk about, and I can't think what there is. Nick Spencer's off, off Spider-Man because of, of the subsect thing. Right. They announced the Spider-Man deal, which is Brand New Day Part 2, basically. Oh, have you really? heard of this? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay, so they're calling it Spider-Man Beyond. 
and it is head writer Zeb Wells mm-hmm. with uh, co-writers Kelly Thompson, Saladin Ahmed, Cody Ziegler, uh, Patrick Gleason. Uh, Patrick Gleason, the, the artist, is, yes. is a co-writer from this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Ziegler, you don't know the name of, but he is writing. Uh, he's written for Rick and Morty, and he's writing the Disney Plus She-Hulk show. Ah, um, uh, and so they've all been folded in, and according to the the promo, uh, they're killing off Peter Parker, and the Spider-Man in the series is Ben Riley. <sighs> yep. But it's three times a week. Uh, three times a week. Three times a month, rather. <laughs> three times a week. Even for Marvel. Uh, yeah, three times a month. Right. So that's what you mean. Is that what you mean by sort of brand new day part two? Brand new day, yeah. yeah okay. it's, it's three times a month, and it's a team of writers. It's a rotating team of writers. Got it. Like, which is brand new day, basically. Yeah. Um, they are, however, starting off with a, a sizable team of writers. Yeah. Which I think is better than when they did it before. And it was... Um, it, it, you know, it, I think it was like four writers. And then they had to sort of add on in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Right. They had to you expand know? to keep things hustling. Um, I mean, you know, I think this begs the question, as, as long as I'm willing to Monday morning quarterback, what in the name of God is Marvel doing after the success of... You know, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the PlayStation 5 Spider-Man game where you get to play as Miles Morales. Why would you bring back Ben Riley instead of doing Miles, you know, apart well, from... Because you have a Miles comic. Well, You sure. don't have a, Sp- a Ben Riley comic anymore. Right. He did up in really, really recently. Yes, like, wasn't he there did. A Spider comic really recently? Yeah, yeah, like up until six months or a year ago or something. Yeah, I think I think it literally made it to COVID and then disappeared. Um, but I, I mean, that's it. This way, you get to keep your your Miles Morales comic and your uh, your Spider Man comic. Ugh. It's it's you know it's kind of bullshit, but sure. And also, let's be honest, Ben Riley's not sticking about. No, of course not. No, 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 no. Of course not. No, I'm I'm just saying. For me, it just sort of seems. Well, let's put it this way. It certainly seems as if. Um, considering how much uh, the Sobolski era of Marvel is very much about kind of like, hey kids, remember all the comics you loved in the 90s vibe? It sort of makes sense in a way that, you're that like, they would do. You're like, yeah, they're bringing back the Clone Saga again. Yeah, right? So, I mean, in a way, I guess it makes sense. But at the same time, I'm just sort of, it just makes me want to slap my forehead. But, um, you know. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. To be honest, it seems, it seems bold, but also misguided. Honestly, the shift to three times a month as well seems risky. Mm-hmm. But again, I think Marvel is just trying to, like, you know, again, put out as much shit as possible. Yeah. Right. No, no offense. The fact that there's going to be a new Echo series, sort of, you know, builds that out as well. Even those fans reading Avengers, did you really want a spin-off about Echo having the Phoenix power? Yeah, right? Right. Yeah. Like, honestly? So, you know, I, I it feels sometimes that Marvel has literally just been like, I fucking don't know. Sure, we just need to have more books on the stands. Whoa. Spider-Man the month again? Great. Sure. Like, an Echo series? Spectacular. 
you know, and, and there's there's nothing much beyond that. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm feeling relatively cynical because things like, you know, did you see the 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 Nets Big Avengers storyline promo? Oh, oh, no. World War She Hulk, <laughs> in which uh, I think it's Red She Hulk gets transformed into the Winter Hulk because now she's been taken over by the Ruskies. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, oh, really? <laughs> is that is that oh, also Jason Aaron again? Yep. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. And, it's, it, and, and it is. There's something, like, tiring about it, in part because it seems so tired. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it it, se- it does seem almost... I don't know. I mean, it's it's a shame because it seems like such a weirdo. Um, it almost sounds seems like Jason Aaron's taking the piss at this point. You know, like just kind of like, hey, I'm making fun of my own publishing company and the way that they regurgitate events. Except he's clearly, you know, yeah, but is he making fun of her? No, just regurgitating the event. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I know, I know, yeah. Um, but he's doing it twice because we've got uh, we've we've got World War She Hulk, but also the Winter Soldier. But it's She Hulk. Yes, right. Just so it's a twofer. Right. Yeah. 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 No. Exactly. That's the thing that I think is really funny. I mean, you know, he might as well have it be an endless army of She Hulk clones, and then it could be it may, the... it may be by the end of the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. By all means. Oh Lord. Sorry, oh, yeah. sorry. It's it's uh, it's not uh, the Red She-Hulk. It's it is actually Jennifer uh, Walters. I, I'm reading the I'm reading the promo again now. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Because she's taken prisoner and sent to the notorious Assassin Training Academy, known as the Red Room. Oh, right, the Red Room. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's there's promo art for it, which is just <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, you sound you sound very thrilled. You definitely sound very I, who, happy about who it. Who could who could fail to be? Yeah, is all I'm saying. Yeah, no kidding. I I, I am sending on Skype the promo art so that you can look at it. Oh, oh no, oh. Are no. you looking at it right yeah, now? Yeah, I did. It popped up, and it was like, oh dear. Yeah, that's mm, 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 mm. regrettable. Although it's interesting, I'm sort of like. <laughs> Me being old old school, I'm like, huh? Kind of looks like Jarella. Maybe it's a bait and switch. Remember Jarella? Was was she green? I thought she was red. Maybe I'm getting her confused with that red chick that ran around in Submariner comics. Hmm. I guess Jarella. I'm looking up right now. Jarella Hulk. Hmm. She's is green. Yeah, she's green. Sorry, everyone. Uh, didn't mean to to you know it's partial oh, yeah, points we for say, we should say Winter Hulk is actually red, which is what got me confused as well. Yeah, red and well, but also but also blonde hair, right? So that's the yes. other thing that was kind of because like, huh? she's Russian, obviously. <laughs> Winter Hulk is coming. Wow, that's just that's just not good. That's just not good. I you know it's kind of funny. I have to say I am so outside the cycle of this stuff unless i'm talking to you and you're horrifying me during the podcast well and, but aren't you reading avengers yeah well sort of i mean I, I how do i put it i am but they put the book on hold for hero for the 
Heroes Reborn. And so Reborn. You, didn't read Heroes, you didn't read Heroes Reborn? Nah, I figured I'd wait until it came to Marvel Unlimited, I guess, you know? I, 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 I think that might be smart. I've, I've not been reading it, but I've been very much enjoying Chad Nevitt's email yes. newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, about mm-hmm. it, where he... I, I, I mean, there, there was very smart commentary he was making about it, but he also managed to make it sound not even bad as much as pointless. Yeah. I think he, he succeeded in kind of getting over the idea of it was all spectacle, no no content, no, like, there was nothing inside there. Yeah. It was entirely shallow and, and also far too long. Um. You know, I, I, it's, it did make me want to read it again when it came to Marvel Unlimited, but it also made me go, well, I'd, I'd never pay for it. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, right. So while the Avengers was on a break, while that event happened, I've sort of been on a break. So, but I, but I also just mean like I read the book in real time. So I have the sense of larger subplots or whatever, but you know, that's not the three month previews cycle you know, I'm never, I'm not there have, when when the new solicits drop. And, I, you know, I don't hunt them down and I, I'm not even really following any comics-based website these days. So it just kind of all washes over me. And, um, you know, which every once in a while I'm like, oh, wait a minute, you know, Daniel Warren Johnson's doing a Beta Ray Bill comic? That's awesome, you know, or, yeah, yeah. you know. But there's, but I and I think the other but, thing. But then about there's that also is, like, oh, but they're doing like Winter She-Hulk. Yeah, right, exactly. But but I would find out about that sort of, hopefully, like when people were when it happened. Yeah, when it when you go to Comicsology and you're just like, what the hell? Why? What? What were they thinking there? Sure, why not? You know, or hell no. But I mean, I think there's a little bit of the. It's sort of it's sort of nice to not sit there and be like, oh, uh, getting myself worked up into a lather based on oh, based God, on how, what yes. the story's going to be. Like, yeah, surprises when you read comics mm-hmm. uh, are wonderful and very rare. Yeah, unless you do, like you said, like step step off the the mm-hmm. the, the the treadmill. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, one thing that's also interesting, which is because I read digital for the vast majority of my stuff, there's, it's not the idea of like, oh, you've got to pre-order that issue or, you know, when you go to the store, it'll be sold out. You know what I mean? Like there's no chance of actually missing a comic book issue anymore. So I can see where kind of back in the pre-digital days or for people who don't read digital the idea that you're sort of looking at the solicits trying to figure out what you want to read and you know like a comics experience there was a pull list and you'd fill out your submit your sub form you know and you could just say like give me this every month or you could change it every month but you know as you know because you and i both did our time in the solicitation recapping minds for the comics experience newsletter there was just tons and tons and tons of new content just coming out the pike every month yeah yeah i remember when i was doing it that it was and i feel like i was doing it when it was a slowdown period for for new releases Mm. because like comics comics sort of moves and booms and busts in terms of like new launches 
Right. right. With the exception of Marvel, which seems to always want to push something else out new. And to be fair, Image as well, but Image has a different publishing model. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, like, I feel like I was doing it in a relatively slow period. But even then, I'd get the the, the previews. Oh, and God. I'd just be like, why are there so many fucking new comics? Right, right. So for people who didn't follow the, the newsletter, which would probably be just about everyone unless you were yeah. – uh, you went to comic San Francisco, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The newsletter um, more or less had uh, the the rule was if there was like a major, uh, if there was like some sort of major milestone, if there was a team change, um, or if it was a new comic or a new number one, you kind of had to write about it so that people could kind of read a summary and figure out if they wanted to pick it up you know so you were kind of taking the stuff from from diamond's preview pages and then repackaging it into an even more compressed format but because you had to do every number one issue it would just be a nightmare if you had one of those months where because that's the other thing is is because you had to we had to do the newsletter so that it would be ready when the first issue, when the when previews, previews went, came out. Yeah. yeah, so we were working off the advanced black line that came in a week in advance. And so you were turning it around on like just this stupid 48, 72-hour timeline. And there would be times where it was like you might have to write about 35 titles, you know, because both marvel and dc had like eight and then image had 17 or something and and i will say this i don't know if you had the same experience graham but at least with dc or marvel there was a little bit of the you know here's the creators and they're doing you know it's like oh it's a new dial h for hero book like you know what dial h for hero is i know what dial h for hero is we can we can sell it quickly you can make a quick joke about it or something and then move on and then you have an image book that would have a one word title yes and a really really obscure yes uh, solicit yeah. from a creative you've never heard about and you'd be yeah. like what the fuck is intransigent <laughs> You're like, totally. it, I, I, you know what I mean? And you're like, what? That's not even a real word. <laughs> like, what is this? And Solicit would be like, it's cold out there, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, and, you know, it would be two people you've never heard of. And you'd be like, I, don't, I genuinely don't know what this is. I genuinely don't know what this is. And there was that period where, it, like, every single element book had one word as a title. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Trap some issue one. Yeah. And exactly. No. Exactly. And then it would just be so much empty hype. They're like, a new age of adventure begins here with Transom. You know, new creators soon to be the hottest in your neighborhood. Grab this issue now, but don't reveal the shock ending that will leave you gasping. And it's like, there's how there's nothing to summarize. Like, how am I supposed to like, oh, man. Those were the days. It's so funny. This is actually the first time you and I have... I feel like, you know, you and I might have mentioned it in passing, but, like, you and I both worked on that newsletter for a chunk of time. I think you did it longer than I did. God bless you. I did it for... God, how long did I do it for? I probably did it for, like, four years. Oh, you did it for longer than that, I think. 
Yeah, I thought I thought so because I thought all I remember. I I definitely did it for like the last few years in San Francisco, and then the first at least couple of years, right? Uh, here in Portland, I want to say, although I could be wrong, that I I did it for five years writing the humor column, and then the solicits, and then you came in. And you started I, writing uh, the humor column, sorry. and I still had to write the solicits, which was kind of the opposite of what I'd been hoping for. And then, exactly, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely, um, I had a file once, of, like of of all the 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 writing. Mm. I, like I used to have all this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do anymore, but yeah. it, it was like it. It definitely went on for a while. Mm-hmm. The solicits were were a fucking work. Like the 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 humor column was hard yes because like for a better way of putting it like humor is hard right right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the but the solicits were just a grind it was it was the worst yeah was really 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 hard work yeah yeah because there was so much of it there was so much of it and it was such a tight turnaround Mm -hmm. like you get on like a thursday and i'll be like okay you need to have this done by by you know Saturday. Saturday, so I can run off the photocopies and then fold them up on Sunday or something. And it was just like, but wait, ah, like it was. You're like, ju- but, but that's that's really hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It was. Yeah, I just remember that. So I want to say I did it four or five years and was super proud of myself and was sure nobody would crash my record. And I think you did it for six. I think maybe I, I did I it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to. We'll have to look it up somewhere. For a long time, I had. It, it, I had. Yeah, it, we both. We both did it for a long time. So long. Yeah, for a month. For a I, monthly I have to thing. Ask, did you also like feel really bad leaving? Yes. Well, like I'm so glad. I was so glad to be done with it. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Right. Right. But I also felt guilty about leaving, in part because I was like, someone else has to do this now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, exactly how bad it is. Right. It's just like, oh, yeah. Oh boy, now someone else has to do this, and it's not in the, you know, thank God that's someone else's problem. Yes. It really was for me. Uh, like some poor bastard is going to lose a week to this every month. Yeah. Because that's what it kind of turned into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'd I'd lose a week of of evenings. Yeah, completely. Yeah, completely. Call them on that done. And you just would. That's all you'd be doing. Yeah. You'd be doing your day job and then you'd have to do that. You have to do that because it was seriously just thousands and thousands of words you'd have to turn out. And again, there'd, there'd just be that time where it was like they did, you know, Hibbs would get it to you on Thursday afternoon. He wanted it back by like Saturday noon. And yeah, you, you had to write about transom and intransigent, you know, and 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 it's 15 other titles with like no descriptions and it just made you want to like weep um yeah so uh so all of which is to say i feel like there was a really good tie-in to how many titles that they were putting out oh yeah yeah no, no, the, yeah where this, going? Just, uh, this started with us <laughs> complaining about how many titles marvel puts out right uh and then turned into us complaining about the experience of doing this, this <laughs> well um, yeah no, but it was like Marvel. Like, why? Why are they putting out so many comics for real? Right. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of weirdly. I, I think always been Marvel's mo. Like, 
once they got unshackled from their distribution restriction deal, you know, they've just, they've always, always, always tried to expand. I, I, although I do wonder, I feel like there were times when the lines would get trimmed back. Like didn't, didn't shooter trim the line back or did he just make lots of people quit? I, I don't, I, I want to say shooter made lots of people quit. Yeah. Didn't trim, but he did kind of trim back, right? I think so. I want to say that I want to say that he did. That there was stuff that that sold. I like, feel like a lot of reprint books, like, but then he then he built back up. Right. We'll see. That's it. He trimmed it back, but then he built it up. And of course, because he got rid of the reprint books and things like that. But then he mm-hmm. started being like, and here's you know, epic and star comics and all of that. Right. Well, and and a lot more licensed comics under Shooter. You know, which makes sense because there was already Star Wars, but you know, you ended up with G.I. Joe and Transformers and at least two or three other comics titles. I mean, Rom Space Knight, God Love It, was a was a, a licensed comic, although I feel like both it and Micronauts started before sh- before Shooter was actually running things. Rom, Rom definitely didn't. Micronauts might have, I'm fairly sure Rom was, was under the Shooter reign. Was it? I wasn't sure. For some reason, I had real har- hardcore memories of it being like Let me look. the final days oh, wow. of 78 I, or 79 I, I or something. I hilariously searched for Rom issue 1 on Google, and it's giving me Bible quotes from Romans. <laughs> uh, it started in 79, which I think puts it in the, the Shooter era. Does it? Uh, okay. Shooter yeah, also co-wrote the first issue. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Shooter, okay. Shooter's, li- Shooter's listed as editor-in-chief. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then, then I've proven proven my overall theory right which is i do feel like i remember him being you know more aggressive about trying to do the licensed comic stuff um and 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 again it built up and then i don't know but anyway i mean i remember that whole thing where you know back when first in eclipse and the, the you know some of the real um what we would call first in the first wave of alternative indie comics as opposed to underground stuff I suppose um, you know those people complained that like Marvel was churning out like all those high end Baxter paper reprints to basically push them off the shelves you know so I mean this is this is this, that's a maneuver like Marvel's overproduction has definitely been something they've been doing for 40 or 50 years I would say more uh, more on than off, I would think. Yeah, know? no, no, very much. Yeah. And I think they're they're again like definitely on and on, and yeah. that might be because you know they're they're going to be going. They're soliciting for September right now. I think their solicits are so the next month of solicits is the first month of Penguin Random House mm-hmm. uh, distribution. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so we'll see if they make a jump there. Yeah, yeah. I'll be curious. I mean, I have. I think if I understand things correctly, because of the new distribution deal, I wonder if we'll see more retailers kind of tightening their belt with Marvel in a way. Because originally, the more volume you ordered, the higher the discount, and that's no longer the case, right? Yeah, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. So part of me thinks. It'll be curious to see if that works, it, you know, if in a way 
retailers are disincentivized from kind of experimenting or or making a guess or or doing something that might allow them to fudge their numbers get a higher discount and more or less create you know more wiggle room for themselves it just seems like with a flat rate you know maybe they're just going to be like i can sell so many issues of this i can sell so many issues of this and so many issues of that and there's no reason for me to try and carry anything else you know there's there's no advantage i'm yeah you know, th- things are going to get very. Things are already kind of weird in the market. Yeah, uh, things are get very weird mm-hmm. by the end of the. Yeah, you know, and, and we'll see. I don't. Did you see the the uh, the ICB two numbers this week? No, no. Although, yeah, tell me about those. Uh, basically, comics. Uh, comics spending on comics was up last year. Is again. that amazing? I mean, that's crazy. Um, I'm trying to find the actual story now, which is... Uh, I mean, which that's not, for the pandemic coming. numbers, right? Like, that's ridiculous. Yes. But, well, I see, this is why I'm trying to find the actual... Uh, talk amongst yourselves while I'm looking for this on the... On the... Peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and uh, carrots. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at ICP2. On pile, I'm trying to find the story. I found the story and said, manga sales were all-time high last year in America. Wow, really? Holy smokes. Mm. Um, kids comics went up as well the reason I'm looking for this is I could be wrong but I won't say that comic store spending was down huh well I definitely feel like if I saw this the same some variant that came out of the numbers or the article that you're talking about that the graphic novel sales as opposed to the floppy sales were hugely like they hugely outstripped the monthly comics, right? Yeah, I'm trying. Here we go. Um, let's see. Sales were up six uh, percent over the previous year. Uh, wow. Comics is basically a one point two eight billion dollar business in the U.S. and Canada, which is which is pretty great to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. Yeah, no. Uh, kids graphic novels and online and mass markets. Uh, went up and manga sales went up as the uh, pandemic went on. Wow. Um, there's the comic store channel. Uh, the shutdown was a drag on sales, even as demand surged in the second half of the year. Hmm. Comic new comic sales were only down by 20% annually. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's, so that's amazing for a pandemic. Well, consider well, but also considering Diamond stopped shipping, yeah, for right. that's like, true. I mean. That's actually kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of incredible, really. Um, yeah, one point two nine two eight billion dollars. Oof. In Which is it's good. Yeah, compared compared with uh, because they put out a chart in twenty twelve, it was eight hundred five million. Wow. So it just keeps going up. It drops mm-hmm. in 2017, weirdly enough, but um, but other than that, it's just been a straight line. Wow. That is that is crazy. And God bless. I think that's, um, that's good to hear, I guess. I mean, I think, unless, you know, it turns out that it's, you know, one would like to believe that out of that 1.28 billion, it's not, 
600 600 million in like variant covers and uh speculation well, but again, again kids graphic novels and manga is what's driving it right so it was what i was saying that the the that the kids graphic novels the ya graphic novels manga like the graphic novel side of the market that's that's closer to the 800 million right or i don't i don't even know if i've got the number where i'm getting that number so. yeah i know i think you're i think you're making that number up i don't know what the what the diversion is. <laughs> okay fine but they're just saying that is that they're driving it okay well that's yeah again it what a relief to know that it's not like you know 25 percent of the market it was due to the debut of punchline um was that right it's all spawns universe numbers <laughs> i should have known oh for the people who thought that graham mentioning spawns universe was going to come like uh 45 minutes right or an end. hour and two yeah. in yeah um it's an hour and two in. yeah 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 um, pick up your winnings. Weirdly, we're not buzzing. Should we just keep going until it starts to buzz about? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Something it's going to buzz eventually, but sure. Sure, exactly. Uh, yep. Jeff, should we talk about Sponge Universe? Then? Oh, how could we not? How could we how not, Graham? Could, how could we not? Sponge Universe is, uh, okay, I'm curious. I did the review in Polygon, and I, I was, you know, not coming backwards and saying that I thought it was actually a complete fucking mess. Oh, shit. I didn't even know you did a review for Polygon. I want to see that. Uh, it's, it's, it's honestly me more or less saying, like, it's very Spawn. Oh, but for, yeah. But, like, as a, new, as a new reader introduction... Oh, yeah. Like, good luck. Because it, it reads like a comic that you have to have read 318 issues of Spawn to understand. Oh, completely. Completely. The idea that Spawn's Universe number one, which was promoted as a new jumping on point, is... Here's the thing. It wasn't. I thought that as well, and then it looks back, and it's literally a new era of Spawn starts here. They're not saying new readers jump on board at all. Okay, but you know what? You know what they did say that about? It was something like Spawn 318 or 319. Spawn 318, which came out a week before Spawn's Universe issue one, is, this is not a joke... Part one of the story, the Sponge Universes. <laughs> because if you have a new reader jumping on point, why not have it be part two of a story? Yeah, right? That, that says nowhere in the comic that you should read the part one. Yeah. Nowhere in the comic does it say that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. It's a, it's a, it was a fucking mess in my mind. But Jeff, you liked Spawn. You, you know, you keep sort of saying that so okay on so to say you bought spawn for a long time spawn okay first off i want to read the description to spawn issue 319 this is where it all starts folks this month in the pages of spawn 319 we plant the seed that will grow into the new spawns universe number one also available this month yes the publishing world of spawn is officially expanding and this is the jumping on point for new readers new threats new allies and more importantly new titles i I fucking love Todd McFarlane, man. That guy, and more importantly, new titles. I'm not sure that's what's important in a story, you know. Like, that's exactly. It's just... what's important. Why do you hate? Why do you hate that? Yeah. I, 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 wait. What? Hmm. Hey. Why, yeah. Why, why do, do you, I hate? Why do, you, why do you hate the fact that it is the most important thing in new titles? New titles is just like that's not like that. That doesn't. 
that doesn't. That's not. Uh... Like that's not what people read stories for. Exactly. But it's right. What people read comics for Jeff. <laughs> image type thing. I said this on Twitter uh, yesterday. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not wild. The image's number one book right now is a superhero franchise that started twenty nine years ago, like X Men was when Image launched. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of amazing. I, but see, and this is when I feel like we were talking about this. I don't know, maybe it was just in a Twitter DM. Todd McFarlane's brother-in-law owns a comic book store. He that Something that dude can joke that. those stats. <laughs> yeah, right. So I it, mean, here, here's the amazing thing. Right. So Image promoted before Sponge Universe One came out. They were like, this has uh, got over two hundred thousand issues ordered it's the most or it's the most highly ordered image new launch of the century Oof. and i was like that's weird why are they saying it's the most highly ordered new launch clearly something else sold more mm-hmm. what do you think that book is oh god i don't know it's spawn issue 275 from two years ago really yeah which sold over two hundred seventy-five thousand copies. Good grief! By comparison, weirdly enough, Walking Dead's last issue, mm-hmm. its orders were really low. Like mm-hmm. its orders were below the previous issue. Well, because that was because that it, was, was, it was a stealth hidden issue. It was yeah. a stealth last issue. I know. It was but a still, st- yeah. Like that's nuts to me. Its orders were, were significantly lower. But um, yeah, it uh, image uh, uh, spawn. 275 sold to uh, 275,000 copies, which is an odd coincidence. Yeah. Again, Graham, it's not an odd coincidence. His brother-in-law owns a comic book store. Why will no one listen to me when you juke the stats? It doesn't... He's like, yeah, like Todd McFarlane's there. He's like, just order another 25,000, Huey. Don't worry about it. I know... I. The great part is I don't even have to ship them to you, and we, we just save money on the shipping. Like, you know, like it's – or not. Who knows? These are just my opinions, not a genuine accusation of what could be fraud. Um, like, you know, but it's like 275,000 copies for issue 275 is spawned. Let's face it. That's just being cute. So, yeah. So, the Spawn's Universe 1, part of me thinks that – because McFarlane has been, you know, banging the drum and trying to promote it and doing all this stuff, I'm sure a lot of people saw the tick up, like, you know, and they're, it's kind of like the New 52. I can see people wandering in who, you know, were kids who rem- have fond memories somehow of owning Spawn number one or the first couple of issues of Spawn and coming in and being like, hey, I hear they've got a new Spawn comic, you know. So it's like, sure, I think... Th- the numbers are probably really good. I, if they're two hundred and something thousand good, I, I like whatever. But Spawn's universe is terrible, and it's it's the same thing that I always complain about. Is to me, Spawn has a lot of stuff that I think is could be fun or cool uh, or interesting, and and Todd McFarlane is just the most boring writer he just he i don't understand like he will actually have endless captions telling you what's happening on the page which is weird for 
an artist turned writer. You know what I mean? And then... Oh, he is he's shockingly afraid to let the art tell the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then maybe he'll sort of talk about, like, what the person's thinking or talking about how cool there is. If there's one point where, I mean, literally, Spawn's universe, again, maybe not just a jumping on point, fine. But when one of the characters is referred to in the captions as, quote-unquote, our, our Spawn, what, how are you supposed to take that? You know what I mean? Like other than the fact that everyone's running around talking about Omega Spawn, which, fortunately, hopefully, did not actually end up in this issue, as far as I can tell. And no, because Omega Spawn was apparently killed? Yes! Like, again, that's unclear, but you did have Gunslinger Spawn, who was yeah. Spawn wearing a hat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And then you've got She Spawn, and then you've got the birth of Sin, which is, again... Caliostro's final transformation with two ends and it's just it's stuff that would make that just makes no fucking sense you know what I mean like you're just like I don't I don't know who this character is I don't know who that character is I don't know why that would even work like there's it, oh it was it was really impressively um impressively bad yeah and yeah. one of my favorite things is that there's clearly editors for this shit in, in McFarlane Productions, right? Yeah, right. But I don't know what they're doing because you have three pages of fill-in art in the Jim Chung story because mm-hmm. Brett Booth draws three pages of it. And in those three pages, uh, Cogliostro, whatever his name is, yeah, grows hair. Yeah. <laughs> he has balls until suddenly he's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah. No, exactly. And then so, become Sin, or Sinin-nin. Sin, Sin, that'd be great. Sin, I am, sin, everyone keeps saying, so you're Sin? No, Sin, Sin, uh, Cinnamon. Sin, Sin, I'm Simpsons. Yeah, so then you get to see Medieval Spawn, which literally was just bullshit. She Spawn, which was bullshit where nothing even happens and who's drawing that is that michael gatos doing uh, the... no it's it's uh marshall takara oh okay well good job imitating michael gatos then pats off and then gunslinger spawn which todd mcfarlane i do have to say thanks to the miracle of hoopla and mcfarlane dropping most most of the issues onto hoopla like there was a period like about i don't know four or five months ago i feel like where i read a bunch of issues and it just hurt but at that point gunslinger spawn was running around doing stuff and it was just that thing of like oh he's supposed to be such this badass or whatever and it was it was just there's just no reason for it like there's you know what i mean like there's just it's just i i don't know so part of me is is like there's that weird perpetual engine which is as long as McFarlane wants to do the comic we'll keep seeing Spawn which is a shame because I think as long as McFarlane keeps doing Spawn it will never be interesting it will never be done in an interesting way it will always be he's 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 done 300 issues or something of this comic and learned nothing about how to tell a story like you know what I mean like there's no there's no improvement there there's no it's just it's just a joyless grind um 
is basically my review of Spawn's universe. But I, it was sort of... <laughs> so it didn't make you want to pick up the three spin-off comics that are coming from it? Um, I mean, it depends on what you mean by pick up. Like, if I have extra rentals on Hoopla, because I think I did check out Spawn 319 or whatever, you know, for the lead-in so I could figure out what see if there was yeah, anything no, no, I, going on. I also did that, and I was like, this still doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't, though. That's the yeah. thing. And that's that's honestly the biggest, I, I was going to say the biggest problem. It's not the biggest problem. There's so many fucking problems. But a really big problem with Sponge Universe and Spawn 3, whatever it is, is that it just references everything that's happened as if everyone has been reading it. Yes, Exactly. In such a like offhanded fashion with no context. Yep. Yep. That that you're just left going, I don't know. Like, you know, we can't go to this island, why? And then in you know thirteen pages later someone be like, That's where Omega Spawn died and you're like, Okay, who's Omega Spawn? Right. Right. You know, it reminds me a lot of um, years and years and years ago, Eric Larson with Savage Dragon around like issue 76, 77 or something. He did a new cover treatment and he more or less like destroyed his planet. So it was like a post-apocalyptic thing. So it was kind of like Kirby Commandy vibes with like Marvel 70s style covers. And I was like, and he was like, hey, and this is a perfect new jumping on point. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. I re- I was so excited. And like by the fourth issue that's, that he had someone who was a previous character from the previous timeline turn up, but were quote unquote different because, you know, like someone would be like, oh my God, his hand. And I was like, what? Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know who these characters were and they weren't explained in any sort of way that, like you said here, like there's just no context for it and it's not in a way that's written to tantalize you you know what i mean like no, no, I do it's feel not like, written yeah. in such a way that they're entertaining or even interesting to newcomers yeah right like like i think mcfarlane and especially larson mm-hmm. would argue that like when they got into comics comics would reference old stories all the time but that just made you want to read them right and what they've forgotten is there's nothing in what they're doing that makes you want to read these stories yeah yeah, because like literally nothing. Because those stories did a way to 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 make it sizzle. You know what I mean? There was there they they put a bit of salesmanship into it. You know, even if it was just the editor thing where it's like back in like Amazing Spider-Man three eighteen where you could go hunt it up, but usually it wasn't a kind of dot the I's, cross the T things. I mean, sometimes it was, you know, it was like, oh, the last time you saw me, you thought I was dead, you know, and then they might recap that extensively. But usually it's just that sort of thing of, and and I'm thinking particularly of, you know, again, sort of Chris Claremont and the X-Men, where it would be something like, oh, there's that island where Omega Spawn died, He's gone. It was such a terrible battle, and I still have nightmares about it. But why, when I see that island, do I still feel dot 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 dread? Question mark. Right, and then you're like, okay, I kind of want to know, and or it may be a future story. But like, you know, McFarlane and Larson are. Oh, it's just very. 
it's it's and I think to me McFarlane more than Larson because at least with Larson you know he kind of dips in and out of it but there's times where he just kind of either a he'll lose his mind and go nuts or b because he's drawing it he just will keep drawing stuff that he thinks is visually interesting like like that he literally finds visually interesting and some of that is like hey i want to draw in something like a chibi style with with enormous heads and little tiny eyes how do i make that character fit in with these other characters or or sort of like i don't even try to do it you know like he larson ends up sort of working like can get in those periods where he's like the a golden age cartoonist you know someone like will eisner where you've got quote-unquote realistic art and then really dramatic cartooning happening in the same panel Mm -hmm. right you know Mm -hmm. and so at least that's to me interesting whereas like i feel like todd mcfarlane is so um by by not drawing it himself and by making people come in who have to draw it on his brand everything is just all on the brand of i mean for lack of a better term it's kind of like hot wheels car you know what i mean like i always feel like looking at looking through any issue of spawn is like looking at the hot wheels cars when i was a kid it's like lots of flames and lots of chains and lots of stripes and everything seems kind of airbrushed and it all seems sort of like badass in a in a it's got an eight track in it kind of way but it's just it's just it's just torpid i guess um it's yeah so yes spawn's universe was not the delightful read um that that apparently you couldn't quite say that in polygon what was it was it just that you didn't want to say it or i mean were you being you know, were you saying it in that, like, here's the thing that I'm saying so that people who want to see that as a compliment can see it as a compliment, but I don't necessarily oh, mean he- it Oh, here's the compliment. weird thing. I think it is a compliment for some people. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Much in the same way that, like, uh, King in Black, when it launched it at Marvel. Right. Uh, like, was so Venom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that, like people who love Venom, it was like you like Venom with your Venom. Here's the most Venom, right? Right, and right. Spongebob feels like the same thing. If you've been reading Spawn for 318 issues, chances are this is exactly what you wanted, right? Right. I guess. I mean, you know? I guess. But that's it. it. It's yeah. just that. Mm-hmm. It's just that. Like nobody else will. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is that idea of like? So then, who's going to buy those 200? 45,000 issues or whatever, you know? Todd McFarlane is going to get them ordered through his, his store. There we go. Now you're on, now you're on with the, with the Jeff plan. Um, yes. Okay. So now that Spawn's universe has been, you know, heartily endorsed by us both. What else have you been reading, Graham? Uh, I have actually been reading, uh, Steve McManus's biography. Mm. Stephen Manis' memoir, uh, which is called, I think it's called Tales from the Mighty One. Uh, it, it is a, Stephen Manis, for people who don't know, was, uh, and still is, a British comics editor mm-hmm. um, who was basically responsible for the golden era of 2080. 
he he started being editor in like 80 and i think he was editor for like the next decade he helped launch crisis as well and the magazine wow so he was like he was there for a lot of it Mm -hmm. um and he wrote and he was he was old school british comics editor as well so he worked on battle before this he worked on star lord before this like he ended up running the end up editor of 2008 because he ended up in 2008's office because star lord was folded into 2008 and then the 2008 editor quit wow um so you know he's 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 old school and the book is very charming if you look at it from that perspective from one of a better way of putting it like it is not a written book and yet it is a very enjoyable book right right uh but it's it's you know, there's all manner of things in there that I was just, I was just loving. I, I ended up reading it because I realized that Rebellion, and specifically t- the Treasury British Comics line there, um, they are, they are, are like doing, for want of a better way of putting it, an important work by mm. keeping all this, this like br- by keeping British comics straight in print, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. by publishing memoirs from the people who worked in them. You know, for American comics, you have multiple publishers keeping classics in print uh, and keeping obscure stuff in print as well and you right. have like tomorrows and you have like you know mainstream book publishers doing comics histories mm-hmm. and no one's doing that for the uk apart from rebellion wow. <laughs> and i was like i was like shit like you know they're they're keeping stuff from poopy and wizard and chips and mm-hmm. buster and tammy and jinty and and battle and action mm-hmm. all in print mm-hmm and they're publishing these memoirs, and this stuff's all important. Mm-hmm. You know, this stuff's important for the for the history of of American comics. Even, mm-hmm. you know, you look at one of the things I realized from from reading the McManus book is uh, Battle. So, so Battle Picture Weekly basically was uh, a weekly from IPC Youth Group that was put together by Pat Mills and John Wagner. The success of that led Mills to be involved in action. Mm-hmm. The success of that, even though it cancelled and it was very controversial, led to the creation of 2008. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Battle was put together by the Girls Comics Division of IPC. Wow. And the Girls Comics Division did a masterclass in how to write comics mm-hmm. that McManus talks about. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird thing where it's like, okay, so if it wasn't for things like Tammy and Princess, right, you wouldn't have 2000 AD, which means you wouldn't have had like Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, mm-hmm. Peter Milligan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which means you wouldn't have had Vertigo, right, right, you know. And it is this this thing that this like through line that is is kind of hidden, and I feel that like fucking just one publisher is keeping it alive, right, right, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know if you saw, but last year Rebellion did a an an, an action special issue, mm-hmm. like you know new, new creators working with action characters. I did want to read but that, if you, and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it came with a a replica of an issue of Action from the seventies. Ooh, wow! <laughs> right, see, suddenly you're very interested. Aren't yeah, you? absolutely, absolutely, right. Mm-hmm. And like that sort of stuff is is great and is important. So yeah, so I, I was I found myself thinking about that, and then I read the McManus book, and the McManus book is it like I said, it's fun, but it's also shit. Mm-hmm. But its shitness is also one of the reasons why it's fun. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I think I, I think I follow the the thought there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I've been reading a lot of that. I read Geiger. I read uh, sadly it's next week's issue of Geiger. It's issue four because I got it from the 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 uh, image comps. Ooh. Uh, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Geiger. Okay, talk to me about Geiger. Uh, dude, it's like, been a couple of weeks since, and I recall both you and Chloe. You know, we spent a certain amount of time talking about like bad comics, like bad comics that are shit comics that are fun, and then comics that are just bad. And you guys were, you were like, based on issue one, Geiger is just bad. It's not even fun bad. It's just bad, bad. You suggested that you disagreed. What, right. I, what you, yes, what I was saying was it didn't go to the weirdo Kirby spots that um, I was hoping for, and the stuff that it did wasn't stuff that I find fun, but I could see how others did. And you? <laughs> uh, I could not stop thinking that it was someone's parodically grim and gritty reboot of a number of more fun concepts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, much as Doomsday Clock is Jeff Johns doing Moore, and yet somehow doing it in a way that is flatter and is crueler, I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than Watchmen. Geiger feels like he like Johnson's definitely read his Chris Kirby, like his OMAC, his Commandy mm-hmm. in advance of this. I mean like, oh I know how to do that, but make it extreme. Yeah. Totally. And instead it's just ugly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it it feels it feels very um I don't know, it it, it, it simultaneously feels like literally nothing happens in the comic. Mm-hmm. But that it's it, that they think a lot is happening, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, but also that the how to put this, it feels as if they are they feel like they're being transgressive and instead they're being boring. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I uh... Well, let's put it this way: I have not seen the fourth issue. Um, but yes, issues one through three, like I said, and I, I said this at the time when we were talking about it, there is a, there is something that is just a little, you know, bloodthirsty about John's that he seems to very much feel is all, is just kind of all in good fun. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of his you know his his fixation on ripping off arms and i think you and i might you may or may not remember where i was talking about like he had some quote where he was talking about like hey he grew up playing mortal Kombat, so that's you know that's his idea of a good time kind of you know and um honestly geiger reminds me in some ways of a stephen king novel you know what I mean? Or in some ways it actually reminded me a lot of Joe Hill's The Fireman, which also has a certain um, 
deja king to it, you know, where it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I see this. This is very much a Stephen King kind of thing where it's like, oh, you've got the character with like the weird nickname and then you've kind of got like a sort of semi-omniscient narrator and then you you spend a lot of time with like helpless characters who are in the process of being chased by like big bad scaredy men you know kind of things um and so so i sort of feel like geiger is again part of me was like well yeah it doesn't really seem to me like you know again when it was like ooh, this seems like it could be very sort of goofily Kirby-esque and some weird pared-down version of, you know, um, Commandy for the Fallout 76 crowd. But instead, it just kind of, you know, again, it feels like Stephen King warmovers, leftovers to me. So, but again, I'm also aware that there are people for whom Stephen King leftovers are pretty... It's exactly what they want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, yeah. The Fireman, I enjoyed a good chunk of it for it being little more than that. And I can see where that in comic form is kind of potentially interesting, you know? But I, I just find that it's... There's not, there's not one character in there who feels um, genuinely sympathetic. Mm-hmm. The closest you get are the kids. Right. And the kids just feel like ciphers. Like, they don't actually feel like characters. They feel like plot engines to be like, why is the glowing man so sad? Or, look, there's danger. Well, I think that's it. To me, they feel like generic kids. Like, they don't really feel... And I think there's something that I think is is part of the problem for me is... Yeah, that 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 Johns is like, oh yeah, I know how I know how you create tension. You put little kids in danger, like you put a dog in danger. You like, you know, you show an, you show a, a woman being um, brutally killed by a sadist who's enjoying it, you know. And that's, uh, you know, these he's got dozens of years of exploitation cinema to sort of more or less back him up on it but sure yeah like but but at the same time he's got dozens of years of exploitation cinema yeah that that have done it before right and i also think that there's something that uh as much as i have a general appreciation for um gary frank uh in whatever way that I have it for, I feel like his stuff doesn't, there's no, there's no, he doesn't bring that level of kind of chop good time that, you know, that you, that, that it, I think would it's make very the precise. Ad- yeah. It's, it's precise. It's kind of bloodless. Like he's sort of like, I'm, I'm doing a good job. You know what I mean? But there's not really any much of a sense to me that he's like, yeah, I'm having a real fun time with this. It's more like I'm doing a real good job. You know what I mean? Like I, again, I think that there is a certain, when when I was talking about this with you and Chloe, like I feel that there's a, the darkest night represents a certain 
gonzo level of Johns that works pretty well and is kind of helped by having people like Ethan Van Skyver's like an ass bag, but he's clearly kind of an ass bag who gets off on draw, drawing reanimated corpses. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of no. There, there, there's a version of Geiger where it's drawn by, you know, Mick McMahon or or, or someone yeah. with a, a bolder, more dynamic style. Yeah, uh, that you know, that it it's a better comic, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But it's also still not a good comic. Well, I mean, uh, yes, in part because I, it's it's a really slow comic. Well, yeah, like yeah. it's it's deathly slow. And when you were basically doing, uh, you know, I'm, it's not a, a significant spoiler, but I would say that like the back half of Geiger Four mm-hmm. is basically ripping off Mad Max uh, uh, Fury mm-hmm. Road. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And when that's like half of your comic, I feel you it should be faster. Well, Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you don't need that that level of that. You don't need that much of it. A little yeah. goes a long way. And, well, and then, yeah, I, I I get this one thing that really struck me in the sense of the first three issues of Geiger, particularly issues two and three, they have a reoccurring visual motif of. A, a a skull tumbling through the air and i feel like at the end of issue three you finally get the context of what that is but the fact that john's actually and frank use it as a visual motif in issue two also gives me like very serious writing for the trade vibes um from geiger and 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 yet and yet, I think I know what you mean. I think that part of the problem is there's not there's there's Johns is doing a lot to make it feel like there is a lot going on, but there's not at least in the first three issues that I read, there's not necessarily much of a narrative thrust in a way, like the whole narrative thrust with the MacGuffin that gets kidnapped, you know, that the woman takes and then she gets to the kids, I think, and then the kids are on the run. Like, that all should have started much, much sooner, I think. And I, I'm remembering that correctly, right? There is some sort of dumbass MacGuffin that that one of the, the, the waitress swipes and then gives, and then that's why they're trying to chase her down and she and her kids flee through the desert and then... Does that all make sense? Does that sound right? Uh, there, there is. I'm going to say yes, even though that's not backstory that's really properly given in this in this issue. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. so have you read four, but you didn't read two and three? Then yeah, yeah, I've I've read four, not two and three. Oh shit. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I thought you just jumped back and did the rest. No, oh, no, no, okay. No, no, so, no, huh? Yeah, okay. Wow. All uh, right. And it's it's yeah it's it's again it just feels. It feels too um, well mannered and too derivative. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like again, it's you know, I'm so happy that I'm reading Fury Road featuring Firestorm. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. It just it it it's just such an odd thing to read. To be perfectly honest with you. 
Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And it does have a little bit... I mean, that's the thing with Geiger. I don't know. I felt that way, I think, when anytime John steps out of the big two um, sandbox, like, kind of the ideas that he picks up, like, there's a little bit of, like, really? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, this? this. You thought this was worth your time? Like, you know? And I kind of... I do think that... I can see in a way where where Geiger has a lot along those lines, but I can also see it and kind of half hope that Johns puts in like Johns and Frank put in like twenty four issues of Geiger and then that's it. You know? It's like four or five trade paperbacks and they move on. Cause certainly by the time you get to issue three, like, you know, part of me is like I can't see this going for you know, a walking dead length of time. Like I can't even see it going for a Sandman length of time. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? No, I, I would not be surprised if this makes it 12 issues. Right. And, wow. and they're like, okay, we've done enough. It, you know, it's either sold for a movie or it's not. Yeah, maybe. And then on to the next. So it's, you know, what's interesting is also, uh, does, um, does issue four of Geiger have the back matter? Uh, yeah, because issues two and three had back matter to it that I kind of had that thing of like, why is this in here? Like apart from, you know, John's and Doomsday Clock and kind of, I think, liking that idea of like, oh, text pieces at the back. They're kind of a thing. Um, like, oh, the, they, no, oh, no. The back matter uh, uh, for this is uh, two pages of the the comics they can't get enough of one of which is a pinup and then they list three books huh oh okay because uh issue three is let's see if i can find it maybe i'm wrong and it was something that was only at issue two uh oh you know what i take it back i'm wrong there is no um text piece at the back of three and i feel like two might have had Something, but maybe it's just going to prove me wrong. Of course, one was the one where they had like the little strip of the the Vegas strip and stuff. Oh, right, yeah, this one has the patient files of Doctor Molotov on Tariq Geiger, and um, you know, I take it back. It's really just a little bit of visual frippery or something. So. Graham McMillan, we have other things that we should talk about. Like, for example, I don't suppose by any chance, did you read The Mystery of the Meanest Teacher, a Johnny Constantine mystery? I did not. It's on my to-do, but I've not read it yet. It's fun. I kind of love that it exists. Yeah, right? Like, I saw it, and I'm like, oh, shit. They did a John Constantine as a teenager YA OGN and it's written by Ryan North and drawn by Derek Charm. How can I not pick that up? It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I gotta, I gotta admit, I part of me was like, um, it it goes, it goes a long way on on sort of charm and fun and YA hijinks, you know. And there's a certain amount of that that's also, hmm. I guess playing with kind of the Constantine tropes, but but in a in the lightest of lightest of ways. So I was kind of curious if you had uh, read it. I did want to talk about. I kept 
talking about the Azuki title that um, I've been reading, which is uh, Drowning Love uh, um, by George Asukura, um, which was published in, uh, serialized in Besatsu Friend um, from 2004 to 2013. It ran 17 volumes. I think I'm like 14 chapters in maybe tops. Uh, and is the story of two 12 year olds basically in love quote unquote um and man i it's a shame what i should have done is preloaded some of the screenshots that i captured and sent them to you in the browser so that you can look at them george akatsu is a, a very experienced uh, shoujo artist she had actually um debuted in 1995 with Punky Cake Junkie um, and also things like A Better, A Perfect Day for Love Letters and Knock Your Heart Out Oh, Knock Your Heart Out, A Perfect Day for Love Letters was adapted into a live action movie and stuff. So she's done a lot of romance stuff. Um, her storytelling is just, I think, fantastic. Like, she kind of takes that kind of traditional shoujo like delicate line work and big eyes framework and 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 runs with that like at some point it's so um it's so overdone like the characters look like cyclopses or something but her 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 page storytelling is just phenomenal like there's just page layouts that she has that i'm in awe of like she's got this one page that is like one of the two kids chasing one another on bikes and the, the page of it that cuts between their faces and their handle, you know, and them gripping the handlebars and what each of them sees in the street that they're riding through is just such a, just such a brilliantly like, you know, breezy piece of cartooning. And the, the love affair, which is again, between two 12 year olds, one of whom the is um, kind of an insufferable brat, which is, uh, you know, I think kind of a um, kind of a gimme for someone like me. The male love interest is this kid who is more or less the spoiled heir of this um, unbelievably wealthy and powerful family out in the, this middle of nowhere province. And then the female protagonist is a 12 year old girl who was in the process of making her name as a fashion model before her father more or less tries to pull unsuccessfully the plug on her career and move her out in the middle of nowhere so that he can take over his father's uh, uh, local inn and so she's kind of the sophisticate like among all the rubes um, and he is kind of this all powerful brat and their connection, which more or less is formed in the first story by him trying to drown her, uh, is kind of weird and offbeat and, but, but so far it really works. Like it's one of those, um, it's, it's, I know that sounds really crazy, but like, you know, when you read no, something, no, I, like, I, I was like, what? <laughs> 
Oh, just wait, Graham. I have a comic that I bought, a manga that I bought specifically because I knew that you wouldn't believe that it existed, and therefore I had to read it so I could at least, you know, tell you about it. That is not this. Um, This is actually one of those weird stories where it's a romance that's put in the framework of a woman's coming of age. So there's a lot of stuff that is about power and power imbalances. And so part of what's going on is part of her attraction to the boy is not only is it kind of a, um, a thing where she's actually physically drawn to him kind of at that age before she can really track what that means. But Uh there's also a certain there at a certain point, what ends up happening is she basically sees him and she's like, I want, I want to compete with you. I want, I want to best you. And so it makes her move into areas weirder realms in both her modeling and kind of in her relationship with him that is about trying to understand power and what it means like i know it sounds very it it and it's one of those things where um because it because the mangaka's name is george asakura i was like uh, is this a dude writing this? Cause this would be it. Cause it's right on the edge of being like kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? But, but because it's a, a female author, you're like, okay, I guess it's got, you know, it's in that, it's in that weird area for me. Whereas like, if it was a dude, like at some point there's this like famous photographer who's like every everyone loves and worships and who does nude photos and and he's interested in photographing her and of course she's only 12 and he's like don't worry i i would never take any nude photos of you unless you wanted to (laughs) but let me cast you in my erotic movie and it's just like whoa wait what like like serious like skivo vibes it's skeevy enough that she's kind of like i'm obsessed with this 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 white-haired burning god of a boy who tried to drown me and seems otherworldly in his contempt for you know manners and rules and i'm just like oh god really do i have to put up with this shit but at the same time i'm also like you for me i like look at the cartooning or even just in a weird way that kind of psychological oddness and i'm like ah man this is so much better for me than reading you know shonen punch em up that takes place in you know a coliseum but everyone is actually tax accountants or whatever you know like it's it just it's it's i kind of enjoyed it a lot um the title that i wanted to tell you about that you i wasn't sure if you would necessarily believe me is called um where is it let me close the thing please put them on takamini-san this is volume one and it's got please put them on yes please put them on takamini-san what is them them is and this is going to throw come as a shock for you graham her panties but here is (laughs) 
No, no, no. Honestly, Let... I, I honestly feel like you're like, okay, so the last one wa- wasn't enough. Yeah. With the 12-year-olds cast in the erotic movie. Yes. No, this one is about a high school girl who is at the top of her class. The classroom president does everything perfect. And the Nebishan class finds out her secret, which is, and this is amazing, when she takes off her underwear, she can restart time. So she basically what takes off the her... living shit? <laughs> she takes off her panties whenever something goes wrong and it redoes time again and then she's able to redo it over um, and succeed that time. And because he was able to accidentally see her breasts when she was changing in the dressing room when she didn't know that there was anyone else there, he's the only one who's able to remember the time jumps. And uh, No. Yeah. Jen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So, yeah. Please please put them on, Takamini-san. Uh, volume 1. Available on Bookwalker and probably other places. Um, who knows? Uh, yeah. Um, and I have to say, I've, I saw the movie that... Um, that was made that was the adaptation of this uh just last night i got a little bit high I, I, and watched I, I'm it i'm sure you did yes um it it was remade for the american audiences uh and called tenant no. by christopher nolan um no no you had just... to, you had to. <laughs> i told i told you about me watching tenant right no let's talk about it cuz i just watched I, it last I made night it maybe 10, i made it maybe 10 minutes in and then was like Life is far too short. Oh, I would even watch more fucking below decks than this. Oh no! Oh, Graham, I love Tenet. That was that movie was so dumb, but great. I made it. I, I made it until they went. I have one word for you, Tenet. <laughs> like, yep, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, admittedly, Maybe that movie. One thing, I will hate myself and finish it. Oh but my god! Was, yeah, yeah, you will hate it. You'll hate it. You'll hate it top to bottom. Because again, it's that it's that stuff that I dig, which is to say, ultra chilly formalism put in the service of absolutely ludicrously dumb ends. You know, so Tenet is 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 a palindromic movie. Like it's basically literally a palindrome and um, I just adore it. Like you get to the point halfway through the movie where suddenly the people start going back in time through the first part of the movie. And then you start getting to the sequences where you have characters simultaneously. You've got people moving forward in time and people moving backwards in time staging in the same sequence and on top of that christopher nolan is kind of i think making a weird um like uh it's like a movie about creation but and i also have to say graham you'll never get far enough into the into the movie to to get to this point but there is a point where um john david washington as protagonist and Kenneth Branagh which, as... which in itself was amazing. Oh yeah. Well see that's it. They have a discussion 
And I shit you not, I was like, somebody has got to get a fucking the rights to Stephen Ditko's Steve Ditko's Mr. A and get it in front of Christopher Nolan because he will make that movie. Chris Nolan will make a Mr. A movie and not and not in any way ironically and it might be amazing. Amazing. He has the two characters talk about why they're doing what they're doing in a way that almost makes that is just like Ditko as bold declarative statements, you know, where literally each person's like is justifying what they're doing on the basis of how everyone in the world should be expected to act. And so I'm like, yeah, this could be, this could be it. But for me, the fact that it's just this insane spy movie, which is ridiculous, just like that guy. Oh my God. I understand why he wanted all of us to go to the movies and like literally die (laughs) just to see his film because it's I mean not only is it so over the top but it's like it's so they must have spent hundreds of millions of dollars like to ridiculously ridiculous ends like you know what I mean like just so that they could have I can't even imagine what the damage budget was on that movie when you've got action scenes with explosions and people having to run backwards and talk backwards through explosions so that you can play them straight through forward like in the film like ridiculous. I'm I'm kind of bummed that you that you turned it off, but I also am not surprised because I was going to say like you can't really be surprised that No, no. I mean you and I mean I hated Interstellar, but, and I kind of just sort of figured after Interstellar, it was like, okay, Christopher Nolan and I have just parted ways. But like, yeah, Tenet, yep. yeah. it's over. And then you're like, no. Yeah. 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 Baby's got some new tricks. Um, yeah. He, uh, he's, he's, he's just back. It is such a silly movie. And what's amazing is, is there's parts of it that are so funny where it's deliberate and there's parts of it that are so funny that are not deliberate. Like he has characters no, saying no, things yeah, it, that it's, you just, it's, yeah. I suspect that one of the thrills of it is going to be that it is so, uh, sincere in its pretension. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that somehow it, it becomes entertaining for that. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, it really is. It's sort of, um, I mean, that's why I'm like, Grime, you got to kind of watch it because it's so, um, you know, it's so like, what if Alan Moore was Bob Haney, basically? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's pretty much Tenet. That's, and I think it's, I mean, it's also, I mean, you know, it's all, it's all the other shit that drives us crazy about Christopher Nolan movies. Like, it's too long, you know, but there's some stuff about it that I really... I really did enjoy. I really did. But of course, you know, I'm the sort of person for whom, you know, a, a palindromic movie is going to be like a huge draw, you know? Exactly. Like just the very idea. Of, yeah. It's actually, a, it's not just the title. It's actually a palindrome. You're like, I'm fucking in. Yeah, exactly. And so to have it be just, just insane stuff of, yeah, it's, oh, 
it's a it's a palindromic action movie. I'm just like, okay, that's fine. I'm so glad that I saw it on HBO Max. I will hopefully watch it again before it leaves because God only knows how long it will be on there. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Man, that was stupid and good. Um, so uh, <laughs> it is. What have you been watching if you haven't been watching Tenet, he asks loadedly. Uh, what have I been watching? Uh, it's been a while since I've talked about what I've been watching. So, like, a bunch of things. Really genuinely happy watching more Below Decks, because there's more Below Decks than we <laughs> oh, uh, right now. No. Um, Starstruck on HBO Max, I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, like, an episode away from finishing that. Hacks, mm-hmm. but I think I've already told you how much I loved Hacks when I was on. Legendary was really good when it was on as well. Um, Top Chef. I, I like I, that that sort of reality show. Right. Uh, I watched weirdly enough the Lady in the Van, the Alan Bennett film, hmm. yesterday. Hmm. Uh, because I, I I love me some Alan Bennett, and honestly, that film was kind of rubbish. Huh. But I I, I not that I regret watching it, but it was it felt softer mm-hmm. than I than than I. I tend to think of Ben. I tend to think of Ben as having a little bit more bite to him, and this this did not <laughs> at all. What, um, what other stuff has he done? Because it half rings a bell. So he, uh, he's he's a playwright in the UK. Uh, huh. he, he's famous. He's most famous for him. The reason I know him is a TV show called Talking Heads. He did, uh, mm-hmm. but he's also famous as a diarist. Hmm. And weirdly enough, when I was in college, I like obsessively read his diaries, which is really strange. <laughs> like oh. I was like nineteen and reading the diary of like a, you know, a forty-something gay playwright in the UK. Um, wow. He was he's he's very uh, he's very kind and very funny, but also caustic with it to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the problems with Lady Van is there wasn't enough causticism, mm. causticness, whatever. Right. Um, what else have I been watching? I honestly... I, I saw The Kid Detective. Did I talk to you about The Kid Detective? No, I don't think so. Do you, do you know the film The Kid Detective? Uh, it's not ringing a bell. Uh, so it came out last year, and it's Adam Brody, who will forever be Seth Cohen from the OC for me. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is... He is like a 30-something... Just complete fuck-up with his life whose life was ruined because when he was a kid, he was, like, the local detective. And, like, he oh, found rings dogs mm-hmm. and shit. And then a, a girl goes missing. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the town is like, yeah, but he's going to solve it. He's great. And he doesn't. <laughs> and so jumps, like, 15 years in the future, and he's just a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. And this this school kid comes to him and is like, "You've got to solve my boyfriend's murder." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Sure, okay," mm-hmm. with no real intent of doing it. And then it's it's where it goes from that because it is a, uh, uh, you know, it is a uh, murder mystery, right? You know, like to play fair, it is actually a murder mystery for all of the comedy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great, and it ends. It ends in such a great way that's a little bit unsettling that I loved it for it. Hmm. And it's literally just the final scene. The final hmm. scene, they, they make a choice that is that I really loved. I, I, and I can't, I don't want to say because I don't want to spoil it. Right, right. At the very end, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was enjoying this, but now I really like it purely because of this choice you make right before the credits. 
Huh. Interesting. Uh, but it, it, but it is very much a like it's. You think it's a, a story about like let's all laugh at like the kid who never got past you know being successful as as a kid, right? And then basically realize it is simultaneously a story about everyone who's ever been told they were a gifted child, mm. who then realized that they're not, right? And, right. and couldn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. But also, it is a murder mystery, hmm. and it gets progressively darker mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in such a way that it never betrays its initial premise and never goes too far, mm-hmm. but also makes it much more than just a, a comedy. Hmm. Well, I must say, it sounds pretty interesting. Where did you see it on? Or uh, It's on... I watch it on Amazon, but I watch it on Amazon through like I, one of, of Chloe's subscriptions. I think it might be SARS. Mm, okay. Okay. Just wanted to make sure it didn't sound like anything that was uh, I'd come across on HBO Max, for example. So. Yeah, no, no, it's not on HBO Max. It, it, it's, it's on, uh, like I said, I watch it through Amazon through something. Right, right. That makes sense. Hmm. Uh, I got to admit, that sounds pretty interesting. I would, uh, I would. I would be I would be interested in talk checking that out. I have to admit. Yeah, I, I I very much enjoyed it, and I suspect you might as well. I don't know where do you stand on Adam Brody. Yes. So to answer your question, I I and which I hate to do, I have to admit I'm Adam Brody agnostic because I I'd never watched the OC despite people whose opinions I respect tremendously, such as you, uh, watching it and enjoying it so much. I mean, I I it's one of these things. I love the OC a lot, but I also think the OC is very much of its time and place. Right. And I think I think revisiting it now, as I've tried in HBO Max, I was kind of like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, one of the reasons I watched Kids Take, besides the fact that I, like, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, I, I like Adam Brody, is I was reminded I like Adam Brody by Ready or Not. Like, did you watch Ready or Not? That sounds familiar. It's I don't a Samara so. Weaving film where she... Oh, right. I wanted gets, to like, see it. Yeah, and I did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really fun film. And and he's in that. And he's, mm-hmm. he's very good in that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, Jeff, make tomorrow your Adam Brody day. <laughs> huh. Well, I will tr- I will I will think about doing that. Yes. Yes, I will. Have a, have a one two punch. Start with the kid detective. Right. And, and then, then move on Ready to Ready or Not. I've been meaning to watch Ready or Not for a while and I feel like maybe it came to something where I was like, "Oh, I should watch this while it's available." And then it left. Like I don't know if that was HBO or I'm just hallucinating it. Anyway, but yes, I've been I mean mean to and I shall perhaps. Um Whereas, Graham, you can watch Tenet. <laughs> I kid, I know you're not going to watch Tenet. Um, even if I was like, no, really, you must watch it, and we can talk about it next time. You'll be like, I, okay. I, I remember the thing that I do want to watch is The No Sudden Move, which is on HBO now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh. I have this weird thing with Steven Soderbergh where I just end up being... Uh, I just never, I never, I never get into the groove with his stuff. I just end up being annoyed. Like, there's, 
out of sight in a couple of the Oceans movies, and then there's a lot of stuff that just annoys the shit out of me. What, what so. about Logan Lucky? Did you not like Logan Lucky? It was okay. It was not as good as it should have been. I kind of thought it was... Um, I thought it got kind of lazy and self-satisfied, which is basically what I think of a lot of Soderbergh stuff. You know, that. Uh, Haywire, which was the Gina Carano movie. A um, couple of other things. I just don't... I just... I don't, I don't, I just, yeah. I, th- I think Soderbergh did a thing, a couple of movies where he was like, hey, I can do this thing, you know, non-ironically, and it's a huge hit. And then he's kind of like, yeah, I feel kind of bad about that. Okay, I'm, I'm really going to make you let, let you know that I'm smarter than the material from now on. And I just don't, I, at least that's my thing. I just never really, Logan Lucky just kind of struck me as I'm like, oh, it's, I mean, Daniel Craig was fucking hilarious in it, but... You know, like it had some good laughs, but it was also at the same time I was like, you know, it just, nah. So anyway. I honestly feel this is the time, like, if I'd said that, that you'd be like, why do you hate joy? (laughs) Graham, let's be clear. I've never said that to you in the course of this podcast, and you say it to me twice a year. In the decade that we've been doing it, <laughs> Wait, so... in all seriousness, did you not say that to me when we were talking about Geiger last week? Or two weeks ago? Did I? I don't think I did. I I, I may be misremembering, but I think you might have. <laughs> it was. I, you're right. It was probably just for a huge reaction, though. But yeah, it'd be great. Everyone writes it. Actually, Jeff, you've said it to Graham twice a year for the last ten years. Graham has said it exactly three times. And one of them was after an incident you recounted in which a waitress named Joy tried to kill your dog. So, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe that's is that is that the symbol? Not not so much with a bang, but with a whimper of uh, of 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 calling it a night. Is is it uh, is it time to close it down? I I think that that's. I think we've reached. I think we've reached a zenith. <laughs> nice, very um, nice. Yeah, no, I, I, we, we should leave each other with the homework that we will never do. Yes, uh, it, Jeff, is this the part where I, uh, like, list everything that we're we're supposed to do, and then, and then we get out before I melt in my seat? Spoilers: yes. melting in my seat is pretty much already begun. I hate to tell you. <laughs> Um, no, we should notes for this episode up at waitwhatpodcast.com. Uh, we have an Instagram account that I finally posted something new to. Uh, God, I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was the Green Arrow 80th Anniversary Special, which I've also read, which was really good, by the way. Hmm, I've heard good things. I, I was genuinely surprised how good an issue that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really good. Also, I should say, I've also read this week, and it is not good, the comic adaptation of Space Jam A New Legacy. Oh, right. Uh, I saw which, your Twitter. They dropped that before the movie. Which, yeah. let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, 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 boy. I mean, if nothing else, weirdly surprising flashback to see uh, a, a comic book adaptation of a movie, especially one coming out before the movie. Yeah. Like, like that's that the good old days. Old, yeah, yeah. that really like the good old days. Uh, sadly, not a good old story, uh, mm. judging by the adaptation. Although I do love that... Uh, Don Cheadle apparently plays Algae Rhythm. <laughs> An algorithm inside the Warner Brothers uh, system that is trying to come up with the big hit movie featuring LeBron James and the cartoon characters. That's not a joke. Wow. Like, it is weirdly meta and just weird. 
I can only imagine what the final film is going to be like. Right. Right. Anyway, that's nothing to do with the Instagram. Anyway, that's Instagram.com forward slash Wait What Pod. Uh, we have a Twitter account at Wait What Podcast. Jeff has a Twitter account at Lazy Bastard at L A Z Y B A S T I D. And I have a Twitter account at Graham M. G R A E M E M. Uh, we are patrons for the podcast, which means Jeff is going to start talking right now. Yes, I am. Boy, as I had that real thing of like, quick, blurt something out, uh, which I would not surprise anyone to learn. That's pretty much my uh, mission statement um, <laughs> when it comes to doing this podcast. And one of the things that is so great about doing this podcast is that you guys are incredibly encouraging and supportive with your ears we actually had i think it's patchen dj i think is his twitter handle mentioned that he completed the entire wait what library to date um and and which is is astonishing and provoked the same response from me and chloe which was oh god poor bastard (laughs) like to think that someone uh, would enjoy it and could get things out of it you know like patch uh, again twitter handle patch dj goes by patch and mortimer um yeah uh he said given that i'm incapable of adulting without a podcast to listen to i'm wondering how much it would cost me in waffles and happy mondays bootlegs to get lazy bastard and graham m to go twice a week graham can you imagine us going twice a week that is I, I, I genuinely can't. <laughs> I, I, I literally cannot either. I don't think that that will be happening. But um, we have had something. I think we're we're in the. We might be over the four hundred episodes. Like between this and Drock and Baxter Building, our fifty episode read through of the first four hundred and sixteen issues of Fantastic Four. Um, so, you know, there's that. There's close to 400 episodes already out there that's free for you to listen. And like I said, I appreciate the fact that so many of you do listen to us, throw us a, a little uh, email or comment on the comment thread or tweet at us on Twitter or at the, at the lazy, the wait what account, or I was going to say the lazy bastard account, which is just mine. Um, and also the fine people at Patreon. Uh, we have people who support us and throw a little bit of their hard-earned dosh through the Patreon system to us. And it makes a huge difference. Believe me, it was when I was there being like, am I really going to be able to, should I buy Please Put Them On Takamine-san Volume 1 just so that I can tell Graham about it and listen to you know, admittedly it's heat related, but his brains start to ooze out of his ears. It was worth it. And I, I look, I'll be honest. There's so much of that, that I honestly, I'm like, but is it, is it really real? Or did you make it up? <laughs> I know. It's so great that way. I really do. I was like, I, I, Graham I, is I, not I, going I, to believe I, this I mean, exists. I feel like I need to actually, like, I feel like I need some external proof that it's real. I know, I, I know. You might be gaslighting me. I know, I get it, I get it. And I have to say, I'm sort of in the in in the style of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. What I'm doing is gaslighting you about the gaslighting. 
um, which is to say, I'm pretending that it doesn't actually exist, but it, but it really does, Graham. Please put them on Takamine-san, Volume One by uh, Yeuchi Hiragi. Um, look it up on Bookwalker. Um, it's, I gotta say, it ha- I'm only halfway through. It is yet to really live up to that premise. But really, what could? Um, I, but also, like that premise is almost enough. Yeah, right? No, that's it. Exactly. Like the, I like I like I said, it hasn't quite lived up to the premise, but I'm like, but it's got this premise. She is literally taking off her panties in class to reboot time and then he's like, Wait, what just happened? And she's like, Oh shit, you saw that? I'm like, This is amazing Yeah, I forget what it's called, the it's it, it's the virginal path. I forget what the magic system is that allows her to take off her panties and restart time. But then the thing is, is see, every time she does it, her, her panties disappear. So she needs him to keep a supply of panties around because she's got all these. She wants to, she's limited in the number of redos that she can do. And so anyway, it doesn't, it, 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 it exists, Graham. It's a thing. Also a thing, the wonderful people at Patreon, including Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, uh, we're grateful for her continuing support of this podcast. Yes, Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Uh, I can understand why people think I'm gaslighting Graham, because that's a, that's a thing that I say every podcast. Anyway, yes, her support of this podcast, and yes, the galaxy, and perhaps even the universe at large. Thanks to Empress Audrey. Thank you, Audrey. Graham? I thought you were going to say something. Oh, <laughs> you went, sorry. Graham. Graham, take it from here. I don't know. <laughs> um, we are, uh, it, it's funny, Jeff, the, yes. what you just mentioned in, mm-hmm. in as, as part of the 400 episodes, because uh, we have a very special episode of something coming up. That's right. That's uh, right. I, to say anything more would be to ruin surprises. Yes. But let's just say that Jeff has inadvertently or maybe intentionally he's very good at this uh, a clue of the future uh, just there and and you all have a week to work out just what he's saying yes yes indeed come back uh, for a week in a week for a um, an episode not quite like what you would be expecting I would think I, th- I think that's very 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 fair to say <laughs> I don't think anyone is seeing this coming uh, although maybe they are because you know there are things happening elsewhere that people might have be tuned into that, that you know we we don't we don't think they are we'll yeah. see who's paying attention to to other things that are happening uh, before what happens next week we're being very very big like I'm being like ridiculously over the top here trust me next week is going to be something unexpected unless you are expecting it that's, <laughs> that's our thing other than that bye